0: We are in the book of Acts, originally called Acts of the Apostles. Uh, really, I've kind of said this every time I've taught, and I just want to continue saying it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that's working throughout the book of Acts. He's the one that's moving God's people to do things. He's the one that's changing hearts. Uh, he's the one that's moving. So it's really, it's really about the Holy Spirit. Uh, today we're going to be in Acts chapter twelve. So before I, I get going, you've either got. Uh, Acts 12 on your table. If you have your Bible with you, please use that. There's some printouts there or there's some Bibles in the back. Because we're going over usually an entire chapter to two chapters, I don't really want to have it all up on the screen. It's just going to look like a lot of stuff on the screen. So leaders, if you want to go grab a Bible for your students, you can or you can hand the paper out. I'm I'm like semi against phones because they're just too distracting when you look at God's Word. But if you can do it without being distracting... You're adult you're like close to adults so let you do that. So Just give everybody a minute to get the Bible so you can read along and see what's happening. By the way, I know Tress has said it, but Senior Speak starts next week so we will continue to meet in here. We'll start here have some stuff going on, have worship, and then we'll split. Ladies, we love you, so we're going to let you stay in the senior high room. Guys, we'll go to the front or back classroom, okay, probably the front classroom. Um, And uh, I know for the guys, Cameron Fredericks is kicking off next Sunday, yes? Who's it for the ladies? Picky Paul, let's go! So if you don't know what senior speak is, it's when our seniors that are, our graduating seniors get an opportunity to uh, talk and share about what's going on, what's wrong. Oh, Bailey also? Yeah. Bailey Fleming also. My bad. My bad. Th- just pointed to Becky. That's, that's all I thought. I, I didn't know. Um, okay. Acts 12. Here's what I want to start off though. How many of you love, I'm personally, I love campfires. How many of you love campfires? People wow. like a big, big fan of the campfire. Not as many as I thought. Really. Okay. All right um have you guys I know they're kind of old now and I'm usually like a little behind the times because I'm waiting for someone to sell something on Facebook marketplace for a cheaper price so I never get it at the beginning how many guys have heard of the solo stove have we got some solo stove people okay it's like these pretty cool campfire things and I mean you guys know I don't understand science if I try to speak about anything at science you know I'm gonna make myself sound stupid but I think this is like I can understand how this thing works like it's dual wall. So you've got like one wall here, one wall there, and then there's some space here. And when it gets, the way that it's supposed to be smokeless is the heat comes up through the sides from the bottom and it literally burns the smoke out. So that's what's so cool about the, there's supposed to be smokeless if you have it underneath the top. So that's what I love about solo. So it burns really hot, burns, burns really nice. Um, I just, I love campfires. I, I love fires and I love, I love the metaphor of where you can take a fire to go, right? Because if a fire in the right context, can be safe. You can warm yourself around it. Anybody ever been camping and been freezing when you get the fire going, it's just like brings your morale up like 100%. It's like, what is it about a fire that just makes you feel so good? Um, you, can, uh, you can cook stuff over the fire, you know, whatever whatever me, When the fire is safe, it's great, right? But if a fire goes outside of its intended boundaries, it can cause harm, it can burn things down, it can hurt people. Um, But one thing that's that's interesting about a fire is, if you don't fuel it, it's going to go out, right? Even I can understand that, okay? Even I can understand that. If you don't fuel it, it's going to go out. And this is what's cool about what we're going to read in the book of Acts today, is that what... The world, if you're in uh, nine o'clock service today, Jim talked about the world, and the world is really the kind of, not, not the earth, not even necessarily the people on the earth, but the culture of the world that is not Christian, that is really controlled by Satan. The world, when we look in the book of Acts, and Acts chapter 12, they were thinking, man, if we can just cut Christianity off, it'll be done. And we're gonna talk about how they tried to do that. But what happened was, they were actually fueling it. By thinking they were doing things to persecute it, to bring trouble to it, what they were actually doing is fueling it. And I just want to say this from the beginning. I don't think we're persecuted like the early church by any stretch of the imagination, okay? I'm not even going to try to go there. But at the same time, I'm going to talk about this a little more, but some of the things that are going on in our world that I think are against Christianity, that makes Christians uh, look or seem bad or seem dangerous or like you're bigots or whatever it is, I just want to tell you that I think that God can actually use that in our lives to actually spread the gospel. Instead of it being the opposite. Because a lot of times we think, oh, something hard happened. I don't want hard. I'm going to shrink away. But I think you're going to, I hope that you leave here today from Acts chapter 12 realizing, man, God can use these things in our lives. So let's just jump right in. Acts chapter 12. I'm going to walk through it verse by verse like we've been doing. So chapter 12. Uh, now remember, just a quick background, did chapters 10 and 11, and that was all about Peter's vision of the animals coming down on the sheet last week. Uh, we talked about, and, and God is ultimately opening up the church, Christianity to the Gentiles. So that's kind of the backdrop to this whole story. So really, you got to realize Peter just had this awesome experience He has this vision from God. He's got Cornelius. If you were here last week, I'm just going over real quick. Cornelius, who is a Gentile. He's not a Jewish person. That Gentile is a non-Jewish person. That's most of us, by the way. Um, Can I get an amen for bacon? Every time I hear Gentile, I just want to amen for bacon. I mean, let me tell you something about bacon. Have you ever realized that bacon is on every single diet as a good thing? There is no diet that says bacon is a bad thing. You can eat as much. Okay, I just got really excited. I got really excited there for a second. I love bacon. Bacon is good. Bacon is good. Okay, like ever had bacon-wrapped bacon? That's what I'm talking about. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Um, Lost you guys, lost myself. What am I doing right now? Okay, Acts chapter 10, bacon, bacon. Um, Okay, Acts chapter 10 and 11. We got Cornelius. He has this vision uh, and... By the way, I'm really sorry. If you were like a Messianic Jew in here and I just talked about bacon a lot, I'm really sorry. I just want to say that. Um, I'm sorry like a little bit, but I do like bacon a lot. Okay, Um, so Cornelius, who's this Gentile, this non-Jewish person, he has this same vision that he should go find Peter at the same time that Peter's having this vision from God. Now, the crazy thing about this is, if you remember, when Peter first goes to Cornelius and his family, he's like, Peter's like, you know, I really shouldn't, Peter was a Jew. He's like, I really shouldn't be interacting with you because this is kind of like, Against the Jewish culture and against the Jewish laws to really do this, but he knows that God calls him into it, and it's just a really cool moment that it's the the Christianity is opened up to the Gentiles that God says this is for everybody to have the chance to believe and enter into eternal life, and then Peter goes back to the early church fathers; these are like the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, and they're they're Jewish men, and they realize you're right; the Holy Spirit came on those guys just like it did on us. At Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and everything is opened up. So Peter has this really cool experience, okay? So I just wanna, I want you to get that background so we remember, because here's what happens in chapter 12. About that time, Herod, the king, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. This is Herod Agrippa. So he is a Jewish king. But a lot of times, I know for me, I'll, I'll equate someone that's Jewish automatically to their spiritual, but that's not true. Herod is really just a political Jewish king. He doesn't care really anything about the Jewish faith. He is more worried about keeping his power. So here's what he does to keep his power. Because at this point in time, Israel, the Jewish people, are controlled by the Romans. Well, what what does Herod want to do? Herod wants to just continue to make the Roman people happy. Well, how does he make the Roman people happy? What Rome really cared about is... The Romans wouldn't come in and just completely take over a culture, completely take over a kingdom. They would kind of say, We're going to come in, we're going to sort of rule here, but we're also going to let you keep your culture and let you keep the things that sort of you want to do, but we're going to have a reign over you. That's kind of how they made their kingdom be so big. So, Herod, what he really wants to do is he wants to make the Romans happy so that he keeps power. And the way that he does that is he wants to keep the Jewish people happy, kind of the general Jewish population, the Israelites happy. So, he, that that's what he that's what he's doing. So that's why it says he laid violent hands on some that belonged to the church. And then verse two, he killed James, the brother of John. That's one of the twelve apostles that were with Jesus with the sword. And then verse three says, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of the unleavened bread. So why why did he start to persecute the church? Why did he start to persecute Christians? Well, I think, again, like I said, he just wanted to keep the Romans happy. How did he keep the Romans happy? By keeping the Jewish people happy. How did he keep the Jewish people happy? We well, persecuted the Christians and they became the scapegoats. It was just that easy. He's like, I can make the Jewish people happy because they don't like these new Christians. They don't like this Jesus guy, especially the religious leaders. So he's really just looking for political power. And, but at the same time, I think, at this, I think at the same time, Herod is a little bit scared of the Christians because he realizes you don't serve necessarily an authority of this world. You serve a bigger God. You don't seem to be afraid. That's why I think Luke, who's the author of the book of Acts, he's, he very uh, very uh, makes sure he says that John was killed, James, brother John was killed with the sword. What he's saying is, most likely, he, was probably, he could have been beheaded. But he was saying very clearly that he killed him with the sword because, he, because Herod wanted the people to see, I'm trying to cut this off. I'm trying to cut one of your leaders off. He knew that James is one of the leaders in the early church, and he's trying to cut it off right then and there. But this is what happens. It's in the midst of pain, suffering, and persecution that God's glory can shine the greatest. So Herod clearly knew James was one of the leaders. He believed if he got rid of one of the leaders, it would stop the movement. And then in verse 3, I think we see that Herod wants to make the Christians his target to make others happy. But God, but know that God is using hardships for his glory. I think sometimes we just need to regain that perspective. Sometimes we lose the perspective that God will use hard times for his glory. And I know you hear that a lot, but I think it's so clear in the book of Acts that God is not afraid to allow his people and us to have hard times for his glory. Herod was not a spiritual leader. He was merely political, which in a lot of ways is like our government now, right? They're not spiritual leaders. They're just they're, they're political leaders. They're meant to rule and they're meant to govern. Um, he wanted to keep the Romans happy, get the Romans happy by keeping the Jews happy and keeping the nation of Israel happy. Out of turmoil. Now, there's a, it's pretty interesting that uh, Luke notes here that this is the days of the unleavened bread. Anybody that's just extra smart know the connection. What's the unleavened bread, the festival of the unleavened bread? What's, what big Jewish holiday is that connected with? Passover. That is connected with Passover. When's the last time in the chronology that we heard about the Passover? Jesus being crucified. So it's been a year Since Jesus was crucified in the chronology here. I just thought that was kind of interesting to put put it together. What all has happened in one in one year? So verse four, picking up in verse four, it says, and when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. Okay, I got this kind of interesting graphic of a, of a prison here. This is probably what the, what the prison looked like, if you can go to that, go to that next slide. Um, so it would be like, I don't even know how to say that one word, so I'm not going to try. Uh, but they would basically be lowered into the bottom part. Uh, and it was actually it's interesting. It says in there that prison, the Romans didn't necessarily consider uh, imprisonment a form of punishment. It really was always like a holding place for them to be. Now, I consider this a form of punishment because it says that was probably a door that went to the sewer and they were lowered down in there. It was cold. It was damp. It was nasty. They weren't exactly... Uh, I've, never been, I've never been to prison, but I'm thinking prison now is a whole lot more comfortable than this was down there. So why did Herod do this? Why did he put... He sees him. He puts him in prison. He delivers, delivers him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him. If you remember back to Acts 5, Peter had been captured by the religious leaders because they didn't like what he was doing. And he, they had put him in their own prison. He had escaped out of prison there. So I think Herod probably heard about that and was like, man, we got to really guard this guy. There's no way we can let this guy get out. We heard that he got out somehow. So they got this serious amount of guards around him. And here's what it says in verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now, this is going to come back up a little bit later in the chapter. I just thought this was really interesting. It says, earnest prayer was made for him by the church. Now, I don't want to step on too many toes here, and I'm guilty of this myself. But often, as I've led small groups over the 10 years of being here, most prayers are for school. And don't get me wrong, school is a big part of your life. I'm not, I'm not downing that. But I'm just saying that they were having earnest prayers for their brother who was in the Roman prison. And so I am challenging us as the church to say, what are our prayers really for? Are we really praying earnest prayers for what God desires? I would just challenge you to think about that. To think about what do you really pray for? What should we really be praying for. I think we should really be praying for the salvation of our friends, our family that don't know Jesus. I think we should be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ in America that are being persecuted in different areas. I think we should pray for Christians that are in other parts of the world that I get that we don't even maybe personally know that are struggling with serious persecution. I think we should be earnestly praying for us as we interact with the people around us that we do it in a godly way. I just want to challenge us. I was just struck by this by the by the early church on what they prayed for. And I get that it was a very a very uh, heartfelt prayer because it was in the moment where their their leader Peter had been taken. But I kind of wanted that to be a challenge for us, just to go are our prayers earnest and if so, what are they what are they really for? So pick it up verse verse 6. It says, "Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sweet, sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison." So, Three levels of protection. He was sleeping between two soldiers. He was bound with two chains. And there was sentries by the door. So Peter is, one guy, is extremely heavily guarded. I would say Luke is making, Luke the author is making it very clear by human standard that Peter, in my words as I would say it, was up the creek without a paddle. It was bad. By human standards, there was no way... That he was going to make it out of there. And the thing that we need to understand is, because this is important, and Peter would have known this. Peter probably knew when he was in this prison, he was awaiting his death. He he, He knew what happened to James. So he's thinking, what's Herod going to do? Herod's going to keep me here now until the right time when he needs to sacrifice me to make the Jewish people happy. So that's what he's waiting for. So he's in prison. He's got all these guards around him. And then here's what it says in verse seven. It says, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And again, who is the main character in the book of Acts? The Holy Spirit working through this angel. The Holy Spirit is the one doing this and leading this this supernatural work on, on earth. And you know, I just, I want to challenge us that we need to walk our faith out and trust the Holy Spirit to show up. God is jealous, God is jealous for his own glory. That's the thing that I think we have to understand. I'm not good at that. I'm jealous for Lee's glory. I'm like, God, I want you to have your glory, but at the same time, can I have some of mine too? And God is jealous for his own glory. And guess what? Because God is jealous for his own glory, and I don't think this diminishes God's goodness in any way, but because he is, he is jealous of his own glory, he is okay to let us go into places where there is no way out other than his supernatural work. And so these leaders could tell you stories in their own life where they've seen there did not seem to be a way out. And, and, and I'm not I'm talking about deeper than like my car wouldn't start and then I turned it one more time and then it started. And I'm not saying that that's not God, right? But at the same time, I'm saying God is willing to allow us to go to some hard places, to lead us there by faith so that we can see that there was no way out other than him because he gets the glory through it. And, and I think part of that for us as Christians, at least for me, I'm, some, I'm often like, God, I'm okay. Okay. I've had enough hard stuff go on. I don't really want any more. I want you to have your glory, but I don't really want to have to go through the hard part. But I can tell you when you live by faith and you walk in the ways that God calls you to, when you get to experience God doing things that you know are God, man, those are like stories that you get to remember. You get to be a part of seeing God in his glory and his working and his power and his strength. Unlike any times when we just kind of live in the nice comfortable and the nice sort of walking along. And I'm not saying that we go out and seek these things out, I'm just saying, are we simply living by faith to see God get his glory? So the angel comes in. He, uh, he, he, the light shines in the shell, cell. He struck Peter on the side. He wakes him up. He says, get up quickly. The chains supernaturally fall off his hand. And then verse 8 says, and the angel said to him, dress yourself, put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Now, understand that all of this happens with the two guards on his side and the guards at the door. Now, the thing that's funny to me is I'm like, was Peter like half naked? And so the angel was like, dude, you can't go out in public like this. You got to put some clothes on. i this is wondering because he gives him some very specific instructions like you need, you need to be clothed. You know, but for real, I think Peter was woken up. He must have been in some kind of deep sleep and, and, and it seems like he's kind of like figuring out what all is happening. And so think about Think about the, uh, the being in that cell and where you would be and what would be happening. And so thankfully, the angel gives him some really specific instructions. And here's what verse 9 says. It says, And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. Now at this point, Peter's kind of getting used to visions, I think. Like, he's had a lot of visions already. God's been speaking to him through visions. We think back to what we learned about last week and you know, just this big picture of, of what happened in the early church and the sheep being coming down and the visions that he's seen. But now Peter has had this awesome experience of the Gentiles coming into the faith and him being part of that. And now Peter's in prison. And I think sometimes when we read these things, we can kind of lose some of the human side of things. If I'm Peter, I'm like, Lord, I just put myself on the line between all my f- the fellow leaders in the Christian church to bring these Gentiles in, to open it up to them. And now I get put in prison? Like, that's, what, that's where I'd be. I'd be like, God, I don't get it. I just did this, this did this awesome thing for you. Why would you allow this to happen to me? And like, well, Lord, what's the, do, what's the deal here? And so, God, but God says in the midst of pain, suffering, and persecution, that is when God's glory can shine through the greatest. So why should we think that it's, that it's gonna be any different And I'm telling you, when I prepare for these messages, when I speak up here, I am thinking about this for myself, because I I so often think, God, I want it to be different. If I do something awesome for you, can't you just make it a little easy for me afterwards? I want to tell you this, don't be surprised that with great victories and great faith and seeing God work, that there will be struggle and trial on the other end, both personally, both dealing with sin and spiritually, because that is what we see in the life of Peter, Let's pick up in verse 10. When they had passed the first and the second guard, so those guys are still asleep, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along the street, and immediately the angel left them. Can you just imagine being a part of this? Like, to me, it's almost like a movie. Like, I'm, like, reading and seeing. Like, the guards are still asleep. The chains fall off. He, this angel's telling him exactly what to do. He walks out, and then the big iron, like, it just, it almost... It almost seems like a movie, but Peter's obedience is going to show the world that God is real. No one can deny what Peter was able to do. And here's what we read in verse 11. When Peter came to himself, so he kind of like gets out there, gets past the Iron Gate, the angel leaves, and he's like, hold on, this wasn't a vision. He's like, this was real. He said, he came to himself, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent His angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Now, I, again, I read when I first read this, I just read this so nonchalantly, but it's super cool to think maybe what Peter was feeling at that moment. I have to think Peter's thinking, I was just in basically a dungeon. Who knows how long I would have been there? Was probably going to be killed. And now he's like, what a boost in faith and energy to his soul of like, I just saw God deliver, deliver me from this supernaturally. He has to be feeling, again, as I would say it, all jacked up on the Holy Spirit, knowing that he had been totally freed. And you know what? How many of you, I'm just going to ask a bold question of you. How many of you have ever been out when we like either just sharing your faith on your own whether it's at school, having a spiritual conversation, going to like maybe our lead the cause mission trip where we go out on the streets, or maybe what we do, taking it to the streets, or any of those. Who, who of you have ever been out, had some spiritual conversations, and you literally had this kind of like spiritual high you're feeling? Anybody willing to be like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I think Peter's kind of feeling that right now. I think he's getting out of here, and he's like, he says it, he's like, now I know, I am sure that the Lord sent this angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And I think this is how we can feel when we obediently follow Jesus into, by faith into the different things that he calls us to and we get to see him work. So we keep going in verse 12. It says, when he realizes he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Okay, so these are the people that were earnestly praying for him to be released, okay? Now, I do think, by the way, we do earnestly pray sometimes. I don't want it to come across like when I said that before. Like, we never earnestly pray for true things. But they're praying. And then in verse, uh, verse 13, it says, And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. She's like, she's so excited. She's like, we've been praying for this. He's here. And then she doesn't open the door. I feel like the only thing I can think about this, this is like, I will be honest, the person in my home that gets most excited to see me is my dog. <laughs> I mean, it's true, right? But the funny thing is, sometimes my dog's so excited to see me, she comes in the house, then she sees me, and then she runs to the other room. I'm like, why well, aren't you here to see me? What's the deal here? You you so excited? Like, that's what Rhoda does. She gets she gets so so excited, she's like, it's Peter. She knows it's him. And then she like, and then she runs, then she runs back and doesn't open it. I'm like, wonder if Peter's like, really? Is this now a vision? That is this a dream? Like, what, what's going on here? Um So uh, recognizing verse 14, recognizing Peter's voice and her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, You are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is an angel. Now, here's what's interesting. They were earnestly praying for Peter's release. Why didn't they believe it then? They were earnestly praying for it. They're like, we were praying for him to be released, for God to do your power here. And then it happens, and they don't believe it. And you know what? I got to be honest. I kind of appreciate that Luke put this in the book of Acts because I think we're human. It's just says the human side of things. There's things we pray for sometimes, and then it happens, and we're like, no, that couldn't have been you, God. There's no way. I just really prayed for that for a while, and then it happened. That couldn't have been you. That's just coincidence. Right? Like, our faith sometimes, as much as we can earnestly pray for things, sometimes when it happens, we're like, God, could that, could that really have been you? And I think that's what these believers are they're like. They're like, no way. He's released. He's out. How? How could this be happening? We didn't even hear about it. So, Uh, The other interesting thing, just to understand, is is they thought that it was an angel. So most likely, this reveals that they may have had a belief back then, and maybe it's true, that there was somehow an angel connected to each person. And so that's why they thought it was an angel. They thought maybe this was like his guardian angel kind of watching over him, and it's here to tell us something. So then we go on to to verse 16. But Peter continued knocking. He's like, guys, no, it's actually me. Can you let me in before they come find me? Like, I think that's what he's like. He's like, "They they may have seen me. And when they opened it, they saw him and were amazed. But Peter motions them with his hand to be silent. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to his brother. Then he departed and went to another place. I kind of wonder if Peter was out there like, are they going to come get me? Like, what's going on here? Uh, Was he just chill? Uh, I, I also wonder too, like, why did he motion them to be quiet? Was he, I don't know. I'm wondering, like, was he scared that people would hear and then be like, he's, they would find him, or was he kind of like, I want to tell you the story of what God did. I think it's more that he wanted to tell the story of what God did. He wants the word to spread of God's power to the early church. You know, it just kind of reminds me, like last night, we came here for the bike trip reunion, and we got to share the stories of what God did. And when we go on mission trips, we share the stories of what God did. And when we get back from different things, we want to share the stories of what God's done, because that's how his, his word goes out. That's why you actually see in the book of Acts, you know, you wonder, why do we do mission trip recaps and bike trip recaps? Well, because that's actually what they did in the early church. You're gonna see often that as Paul went on his missionary journeys, he would come back and he would report to the churches of what he did. That's why we do missions week here at RBC because we wanna hear what God is doing in the whole world. So I wanna stop there and I want you to answer this first table question. If you can throw it up there. I can't remember, there you go. Why did Herod... Want to kill James and Peter? Why was God not afraid to allow John to be killed and Peter to go to prison? How did the Christians respond to persecution, Charles? Go ahead. Take about four minutes to do that. All right. Turn back up here. Um, That was, that portion of the scripture was where I wanted to spend, that's the big chunk of chapter 12. I want to walk through the rest of the chapter and point a couple of things out to you. So the rest of that section of Peter being rescued, so verses 18 and 19 say this. Now when the day, day came, so that was all happening at night, next day comes, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered them that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. The way that this is written in the Greek is kind of like it, it, it's written in the Greek when it when it says uh, that there was no little disturbance. The, the way they wrote this was almost like they understood in their culture. They would write it very conservative, conservatively. They would write it very conservatively, but it was actually a really big deal, and it was almost like an understatement, right? And sometimes how we, you guys have like these catchphrases like "oh, it's low key" or whatever. Low key, like that actually means like it's a big deal. Um, Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyways, okay. Uh, So when he writes this, he's saying it was actually a huge deal. Like, this was a really big deal. Herod is mad. He is mad. And it's it's interesting. I was reading over this, and I'm like, how do I how do I handle this as a Christian? This section right here. You could read this and go on, but I thought about it a little more. I was like, how do I handle this as a Christian? You know, we want God to be nice and loving, but we also want him to, God to win. And we can't always have both. Peter was put in jail falsely, and God miracu- miraculously chose to free him. And one of the consequences and results is the guards are put to death because they let the person that they were supposed to guard out. And I just want I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I just want you to get this. Because I think this is this, kind of important as we live in this world as Christians. You know what? We both rejoice at Paul's freedom and that God won, but we mourn over the death of the soldiers because they probably didn't know Jesus. And that's a tension that we live in as Christians in this world. We want God to win. We want to see him win. But at the same time, when God wins, it means that evil is defeated, but it means that most of time there's lives involved in that. Um, So I just, I just didn't want you to just brush over that. I want to, I want to engage in the victory that God won there, but know that in a world that's broken by sin, there's still hurt and pain even when God wins. He's still a good God. So let's pick up in 20. It says, now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord. So this is probably, uh, Herod had control over these people, this group of people, and so most probably they come to it with one accord and it says they had persuaded Blastus to King's Chamberlain. They asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. So they must've done something that frustrated Herod. They're going to him and they're saying, hey, we'll make peace with you. What do we need to do? Because we we depend on you. And then on verse 21, it says, on an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Now, let me me ask you this. Who, who is, whose life that we just read about last week is in direct opposition of how Herod acted? Remember, what did Peter do last week? When he goes into Cornelius' house, Cornelius starts to worship him. And Peter says, get up. I'm just a man. There's nothing special about me. But Herod, on the flip side, was like, you know, I am a God. And he took what the people said. And it says that God struck him down because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Here's what Isaiah 42.8 says. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carve idols. If you go to the 10 commandments, Exodus 20, three through four, it says, you will have no other gods before me. There will be no other carved image. There will be no other idol. Herod was no God. It was clear. Why? Because he was defeated. He died. And here's what I want to tell you. This is point number two. God always wins. God always wins. You know, right now, I I talked about this at the beginning. It can feel like culture and media are against Christians as we stand for God's truth on things like abortion, gender and sexual identity, the way that we live. And it it can feel like, why do we look at things like Russia? Why does it feel like Putin's winning? Why does it feel like no one's stopping him? And I don't have all the answers to that. But I can tell you, if God could take Herod's life like that, God always wins. And God can do something and he will choose. Let us never forget that God is fully in control. That he has the grand scheme of things in his hands and he is doing his work. And we trust that he's doing it for good. And here's where I want to, one last point I want to give to you. And we'll have some more table questions. And uh, we pick up in verse 24. We're going to end this last verse, but this is a powerful verse. It says, but the word of God increased and multiplied. The word of God increased and multiplied. You know, in this short chapter, James the apostle is killed. Peter is in prison and ready to be killed. Herod wants to please the Romans by pleasing the Jews and Christians, believing that they're the scapegoats. And earlier in the book, Stephen is killed by the religious leaders. All of this while the church is just starting. The church has just started, and all of this is happening. In one sense, it feels to me like, wow, aren't they going to be defeated? But here's what I want to go back to. I want to go back to the example I gave in the beginning with the fire. If you fuel the fire, that's what keeps it going. And that's exactly what is happening here. It's fueling the fire. If it wasn't real and it wasn't true then why would these religious leaders and Herod and the Romans want to stop it? Because it's true. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you guys, the Holy Spirit's alive and He's working. Just this past week, I know of two people on a Sunday morning on a Wednesday night that gave their life to Jesus. God is working. Amen. And. What I think the world culture and what Satan wants to do is he wants to try to bring hard things to think that it can keep us down. But you know what? I think when the pandemic came, that was trying, one of Satan's ways in the world to try to silence things. This is what I think. It, I think it actually opened up people's wounds of what was already going on. And then, the, and then in the world, people are trying to fill themselves with things that will never satisfy, but God's truth will satisfy that he, is a, that he loves them, that he died on the cross for you, that he paid for your sins, that he forgave you. The Holy Spirit is working. So here's what I want to do. I just want to give you, with your eyes closed, again, if God's word increased and multiplied, we see the work of God. I just want to give you an opportunity. If this if this morning, if you're, re, if you're hearing this for the first time, and you're like, man, this whole God thing, uh, this Christianity thing, like, I've been trying to satisfy myself and I'm not being satisfied. God's word comes to you and it says that Jesus created you to be with him, but the sins in your life have separated you from him. And those sins cannot be paid for by the good things that you try to do. It's like trying to put icing on a burnt cake. The burnt cake is always gonna be burnt. Good things aren't gonna cover, just like icing's not gonna make the burnt cake any better. But Jesus came and he paid the price for you and he died on the cross. And then everyone who trusts in him has eternal life. If for the first time, you want to believe that. Well, everybody just has their eyes closed. If you want to believe that, there's nothing necessarily special about raising your hand. But man, if you just want to raise your hand and say, I believe that for the first time. I believe in Jesus for the first time. If you want to do that, you can raise your hand. With no one else looking. And if there's some of you in here that are like, gosh, I'm just kind of wrestling through this. I want to talk to a leader about it. I would just encourage you after today, talk to a leader about it. Maybe you're like, I'm not ready right now, but I want to talk about some things. Because I believe that, like verse 24 says, but the word of God increased and multiplied. And God's spirit is working. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.